grab that Bible, whichever way you do it, and turn to 1 Samuel. It's the ninth book of the Bible. We've been going through uh, the story of God. We're going to continue to be doing that for a while. And um, we're not covering every book of the Bible, but we're following the story of him uh, for quite a bit here because the Bible is about him. It's his story. It's his word. It is, it's him. And as we've moved along, we've come from creation, we've come through the fall of mankind because Adam and Eve chose sin over a relationship with God. And as a result of that decision, sin entered the world, so did death. Uh, but God promised to them a redeemer that would come from Eve, uh, a child of Eve who would bring about the redemption of mankind and creation. And so the whole story from Genesis chapter 3 of the Bible follows that promise. And we've looked at that uh, for weeks and weeks now, how it moved through a flood and Noah, how it moved through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, how it became uh, developed through the family of Israel, what grew into a tribe and then into a nation and then in, into slavery, how they were delivered from slavery, brought into a land promised by God, given God's law, uh, and then within that land, how they failed to honor God as they were supposed to. And though God would raise up leaders called judges, they would rebel and pray and then rebel and then pray and then rebel and then pray. It sounds a lot like my life, unfortunately. Uh, but in any event, God uh, eventually begins to move towards something else other than judges. And that's right where we are. Ruth, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Hannah, we talked about last week. Both of these individuals are right at the end of that time of judges. And Hannah gives birth to a son. Uh, we talked about it last week in quite an amazing way. That son's name is Samuel. And that's where we're going to land today is on, on him. So I, I called this Hearing God Speak. And, uh, you know, once upon a time, I, I started writing a book that was called uh, Does a Living God Speak or Am I Deaf? Uh, because sometimes I feel like hearing God speak is the most difficult or debated thing. Uh, maybe you read the Bible, but for some reason you don't entirely get it. Or maybe you get it, but you don't hear anything from it. Maybe you pray and pray and pray, but you don't feel like you hear anything or get an answer. Maybe you feel like heaven's silent. Maybe... You need to hear something from God, you know, like today. So I, I hope that's what you learn or what you come to from what we look at is, is a, how to hear from God. So go to First Samuel chapter 1, uh, or chapter 3, excuse me. And uh, chapter 3, I'm going to read, let's pick it up here in verse 19, the end of the chapter. It says, Samuel grew... And the Lord was with him, and the Lord let, or excuse me, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Lord, uh, I love you. Every week, the same phrase pops in my mind the moment that I finish reading, and that's your word is awesome. Never just saying that in a random tone. Lord, your word is so amazing. Even what I just read, just that little bit there, that's so meaty. Like, there's so much in your word for us to discover about you, to grow closer to you, to know who you are. And uh, it, 
I don't ever want it to be just about what I say or what creative things we put on a screen or, or, or any of that stuff, Lord. It's about you. It's your word. And uh, I thank you that you trust us with it, not just me, all of us who call you Lord, that you, that you trust us with it. Let us be faithful with it. And me, especially in this moment, uh, it's yours. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So you probably heard the phrase, can't see the forest from the trees, right? Uh, basically means that you're missing the big picture because you're distracted by the little things. There's also, if it was a snake, it would have bit you. You know what I mean? And, and that kind of means you're so focused on the big picture that you're missing the details. Kind of goes both ways, and I feel like sometimes we approach the Bible or the Word that way. Um, times when you think you see it all, but in fact you completely missed what's most important. But it's not because you're not looking. It's just because it hasn't been revealed to you. You haven't seen it yet. You haven't noticed it yet. Uh, you know, one thing Ed and I hit off pretty good right up front is we're both, we both have a culinary past. He's still a chef, a great chef. Uh, I, I moved on from that 20 years ago, but for a decade and a half I was a chef, culinary degree and all of that. And I worked for a particular chef at one point in time that was about 300 plus pounds and a lesbian and, and outspoken about her uh, position in life. And one time she saw a Bible sitting on my desk. Now, I was a poor example of a Christian in those days, but I was learning. I was coming out of the hole, so to speak. And I had a Bible on my desk. I was an assistant chef there. And she said, I remember her picking, still remember her picking it up and saying, I've read that. And uh, it's got some cool stories. You know, it just, it like she meant it. She'd read it. But to her, it just was a book. Like it was she didn't disrespect it. She just said cool stories. And in a later discussion with my roommate, who was at the time, my roommate, who was raised Catholic, but was anything but a believer, I was telling him about it. He also worked there. We worked together there. And we were talking about it, and uh, he said, you know what I don't get? Why didn't Jesus ever grow an arm back or an amputee? Why didn't Jesus ever cause a, a leg to regrow or an arm to regrow or something I remember at the moment thinking, man, that's a great question. But it's almost like I, I would believe in God if he did what I say do. Are you kidding me? You raised the dead. <laughs> he didn't make an arm grow back? Are you kidding me? He raised the dead. How, how can somebody read the whole Bible but not recognize the author? You know, how can someone who knows the story of Christ, in this case, miss who he is because he didn't do the right miracle? You know, in their case, even if they heard a voice from heaven, they would likely think it's thunder. And that happened in the Bible during Jesus' time. Whether in the details or in the big picture, either way, they, they, they miss the revelation of, of who God is. They didn't, they didn't hear him. And one thing you learn when you're in a relationship with a woman, uh, and nobody shoot me for this, but it's just a fact. When you're in a relationship with a woman, you, you get in conversation. If you have enough of them, you feel like, oh, well, I, yeah, I talked to them. I understand them. You know, I, I know them. But let me enlighten you on a few things. At least I'll speak for my past experiences. I won't speak for all of you, so I'll pe speak for my past experiences. Nothing means something. You know what I mean? When they say nothing, that means something. It's okay means something's terribly wrong. 
you know. Uh, don't worry about it means drop everything and handle this immediately, you know. And leave me alone sometimes means leave me alone. You know what I mean? So, it, it, you know, she may be saying these things to you and you felt like you understand what she's saying, but at some point you become aware of the truth of what she's saying. Like you get her heart and you start hearing what her heart is saying, not what her mouth is saying. And all of you are smiling in the room for the most part because you know what I'm getting at. What, there are what the words say. There's what the words mean. But the real key is hearing the words coming from the person whose heart you know. That's the difference. That, the, that there, you come to this stage where there, there's what the words say, maybe even what they mean, but the real key to truly hearing the words comes from knowing the heart of the person who's using them. You understand that? So in somewhat similar way, learning to hear God speak comes from the same thread of spending time in his word and also listening for his Holy Spirit to expose his heart in those words. Got it? So one point to remember, I always give it to you. It's on the sheet. If you grab one, that's great. If not, you can get one on your way out or you cannot. But it's what if, what if hearing from God wasn't about getting an answer but about giving him one? And that in order to get his word for others. What if it was about getting a word from him for other people? So look at verse 1, chapter 3. It says, Now the boy Samuel, remember he was a boy. He was given to the, to the ministry as a child. That's part of Hannah's story. You can look at it from last week. But he's still a boy. Um, that word doesn't define his age. It could be teenager down, really, in the Hebrew use of it. The boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. That was the priest at the temple. And remember, this is not the temple temple. This is the tabernacle, the tent that would become the temple. The tabernacle, the mobile temple, but it was parked at this time. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. That's one of the scariest lines in the Bible to me. I've read it many times, but think about what that's saying right there. What does that mean? The word was rare. means God was silent. Just, just that blunt. And no frequent vision. Don't think about that like, you know, a science fiction movie. That just means there was no direction. Like God is quiet and there's no direction in those days. Sound familiar? <laughs> I mean, I'm not normally the guy, but I'm telling you, things today look more and more that, that way. More and more that way. And why was God silent then? Look what it says, verse 12. I'm in chapter 2. Back up just really quickly. Chapter 12, or chapter 2, ver, excuse me. <laughs> chapter 2, verse 12. The sons of Eli, this same priest that Samuel's working with, the sons of Eli were what? Worthless men. Now, this is God's word calling them that. that. That's got something to say right there. They did not know the Lord. So these are the sons of the priest in the temple, more or less, serving, and they don't know the Lord. 
And not only that, the Bible's calling them worthless. And you can read it in your own time, but they stole the meat of the people's offerings. They bluffed the people into giving them what they wanted, all as though it was going to God. Hey, you give me this, this, and this. I'm going to go give it to God, but it's for me. Uh, they were sleeping with the women who worked at the temple. Uh, you know what, man? Sadly, that is also a lot like today. If I'm just being honest. And Christians too often honor all these God celebrities, I call them, and raise them up and lift them up and put them on these giant stages. And rather than questioning or standing for truth, they just blindly follow it. And it gets farther and farther from God until what are you, is there any worth in what you're actually getting from that experience? They, they seem larger than life. They represent God to the people. But the honest truth is they're stealing from them. You know, and it might not just be money. They're stealing God, the attention that's supposed to go to God. They're stealing the affection that is supposed to go to God's word. Then it's not, it's not always about money, but it could be. They use the church's resources to satisfy their own comfort and their own desires. They take advantage of women. They take advantage of men. They take advantage of children. This is all news headlines, not things that I'm saying you can read it in your own way. But if people do actually get up and question them, They get silenced. And the worst sad part of it all is the people who actually do have the power to silence or stop this kind of behavior most times simply just say, yeah, it's wrong, but. Yeah, don't agree, but. Maybe they even go say, hey, you should probably check yourself, but that's about as far as it goes. This is not anything that I'm telling you this is a surprise. And you, you pay any attention to the news today, you know it. But back in this day, here's the scenario. And remember, this is the time of Judges when everybody did what seemed right in their own eyes. And it said there was no king in Israel, which there was a king in Israel. It was God. They just didn't honor him as king. So is it any wonder there's no frequent word and there's no direction from God? Not like they would have heard it anyway. And that's one thing to remember when we talk about wanting to hear from God. Should we really expect to? And I'm not throwing any stones. I'm just saying we got to start there. Should we really expect to personally? Eli did nothing more here than tell his sons to behave. And the people began to resent all of them for it, the whole entire family. And God reached his limit as well. Look in chapter 2, verse 25. It says, but they would not listen to the voice of their father. For it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. God had judged them and said, it's over, fellas. Verse 26. Now, that, and that comes later. Not reading that immediately here. Now, the boy Samuel continued to grow both in statue and in favor with the Lord and also with man. So contrary to the people resenting Eli and his sons, contrary to God saying, you're dead, uh, you have this boy that's growing in favor with the Lord and also with the people. Verse 27 of chapter 2 says, And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord. Basically tells him, Your son's going to die. Your family's cut off. Judgment's coming. Great definition of a prophet. And as we move into prophets and more talk of prophets over the days ahead, that word gets abused and misused a lot in modern day world too. This is the definition of a prophet. Right here, if you ask me a hundred times, I'll answer it a hundred times this way. This is the definition of a prophet. Thus says the Lord. 
A prophet is somebody who comes and speaks on behalf of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. All right? What does this have to do with the story of Samuel? Well, it's important to how Samuel begins to hear from God. And you're going to see that. So go back to chapter 3. Look at verse 2. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. So he's at home, asleep. I guess it's later in the evening. And the lamp of God, that's the menorah in the temple. You know what a menorah looks like. There's one big gold one that was placed in the... I keep saying temple. Just to understand, I mean tabernacle. Same thing. Just one was permanent. Uh, the lamp of God, the menorah, had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So Eli's at home. Samuel's asleep in the tabernacle, all right? Didn't, didn't have anything to do with right or wrong. It's just that's the situation. And the, the candle's still kind of flickering and uh, not burned down. So later in the evening, verse 4, Then the Lord called Samuel. Lord, all caps, again, proper name, Jehovah, Yahweh, it, I am. He, that person, called Samuel, and, and he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, I'm here, I'm here, what do you need? So Eli's place must have been next door, right close, maybe a tent or whatever, right beside where he was. He ran over and said, did you call? And Eli says, I didn't call you, go lie down. And he went and lay back down. It's almost like harsh language. Like, why are you, why you bothering me? Go back to bed. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am. You called me. You, why do you keep calling me? You know. But he said, I didn't call you, my son. Go lay down. Go to sleep. Verse 7. Now, key verse. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Listen, man, Samuel was dedicated to God at his birth, remember? Samuel was dedicated. Samuel had, was given to God after his birth. Samuel spent his whole life, for the most part, growing up in, quote, the church, you could say here. Not only that, he was learning how to do ministry in the church. He was serving the priest in the church and tabernacle, but I'm, you, you get what I'm saying. He, it says he was growing in statue and favor with the Lord, that the people were seeing him as a godly person. All these things. It even says he was ministering to the Lord. He's doing all these things, but he didn't know the Lord. How is that possible? Is it possible to come to church all the time and not know the Lord? Is it possible to read the Bible and not know the Lord? It, of course it's possible. This is not something he just grew into and eventually realized, oh yes, I'm a Christian and I follow the Lord or whatever. He didn't just grow into it. He didn't just graduate or qualify at some point and now he's a preacher in the church you know, or whatever. It didn't happen that way. There was a specific moment here. When God changes everything about Samuel's life. He's already in church. So it's not like he went from this drug addict to a pastor or something. It's not like that kind of change. But everything suddenly changes for Samuel because he hears now. He hears. But in this very moment, Samuel is in the house 
of worship. He's in the presence of the, the mercy seat and the, and the Ark of the Covenant. And he's the, under the light of the lamp of God, but he's unable to recognize the voice of God even when he hears it. The key here is the revelation of the word of the Lord. Don't ever forget that. It's not just revelation. It's not just unveiling the skies. It's the word of the Lord being revealed. What is the word of the Lord? If you read the whole book, you might answer that differently at different times. The word is a voice. It's the Holy Spirit speaking. Moving, guiding your spirit. The word of the Lord is a text. That same spirit written down. The same words that that spirit is speaking written down. That's still his word. We call it a Bible. The word, most importantly, is a person. A person. And you can look these up in your own time, but John 1.1 is probably the most go-to location for this. But it says, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not was a God, not was like God, not was close to God, was God. The Word was God. He, 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 the Word, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, through the Word. And without Him, the Word, was not anything made that was made. He made everything. How can He be with God and be God? Don't have that answer for you, but I believe it with my whole heart. It's okay. Don't have to explain that any more than I have to tell you how he created the universe. I can't tell you that either, but I believe that he did. Okay? So, verse 14 says, And that word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory. Glory is the only Son of the Father. So that word was Christ. That word was Jesus from the mouth of John. The same John in Revelation 19, the same John describes the return of that same Jesus But it looks a little different here. His eyes are like a flame of fire on his head or many crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. Clothed in a robe dipped in blood. He's ready for war. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Same person. From the beginning to the end, the Word of God is God. It's Christ in this sense. But it says back in... Samuel's day that God had not been revealed to him. Did you see that? that? The, the word of God had not been revealed to him yet. Knowing him comes from being in the word and God revealing himself. Every week the word gets preached in churches. You know, well, it should. I guess I can't say that about all of them. But for most of them, uh, the word, if they're a God-honoring church, the word gets preached in churches every week. But for some at some point, something happens. On a particular day, hearing the word, something changes. Others are in the room. Others hear the same word being spoke. Others hear the same word being preached. But you hear something. Something inside you shakes or pulls at you, or causes you to tremble, or something. God speaks to your heart. And if you're a believer in Christ, if you've given your life to Christ, then you responded. 
You may not even know known why you were responding or what entirely was happening, but something in you was compelling you to respond, and you did. And nobody else in the room maybe did. At the very least, they all didn't, but they all heard. It's the same word. I'm preaching the same thing right now, but somebody pull, is pulled. And when that happens, that's what we call salvation. The word plus the spirit equals revelation. It has to be both. It has to be both knowing about God and hearing the living God in your spirit and responding to it. That's what happened with Samuel, right? He got up and responded multiple times. Look at verse 8 of chapter 3. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am. You, you called me again. You know, Eli, I mean, both of them are probably getting frustrated at this point. And so, of course, Eli's perceived something else is going on. Eli's like, the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. If he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Oh, amazing statement. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The true test of whether a person is leading a new believer correctly, by the way, is do they point them back to God's word, back to the presence of God's word and say, open your ears. For all of Eli's faults, this is a great response. He doesn't try to just sit, oh, sit down and get out your books. This is a teaching moment. He doesn't do any pushes him back to God's word, where God's word is speaking and, and says, open, open your ears. Tell him to speak. There was a guy in uh, Senegal, um, Africa, I got to meet years ago, that had smuggled himself in, so to speak, for an event from another country in North Africa where it's illegal to be a believer. And he told his testimony, he and many others, he wasn't alone, several had done this, but this one particular man told his testimony, and I'll never forget it, because he described seeing Jesus twice. Now, this cost this man his entire life. To put his faith in Christ. So, so let's not just race off to doubt this. This man's lost everything by putting his faith in Christ. Because it is beyond illegal to be a believer where he lives. Uh, they'll hunt you down and kill you in a second over it. And his own family tried to. Literally. So this man described seeing Jesus on two occasions in the desert. And the first time not just thinking it was a man. The second time very clearly knowing that it was not. Uh, it was more than a man. And, but the great part about his story, I'm not going into it all. He described the event. But the great part about this sport, his story is he said that, the, that this man in the desert who identified himself as Jesus told him how to find a man in town that had an illegal Bible that would teach it to him. And now that's part of his story. I'm not going to go all into it. But how amazing is that? It wasn't just some miraculous experience. God himself pointed him to his word, pointed him back to his word. Acts chapter 8, verse 30, you probably know this. Philip is led by the Holy Spirit uh, to a road where he sees an Ethiopian uh, in a chariot going from Jerusalem back to Ethiopia. And Philip ran to him uh, and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, what? How can I unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Same thing. Guide me. Teach me the word. Show me the word. Here Eli is guiding Samuel back to God and telling him what to do to begin to hear from God. It's like a disciple who would say, open the book. And if you hear him speak again, tell him you're listening. Speak to me. 
Even if it's a whisper, tell him you're listening, speak to me. Look at verse 10. The Lord came and stood. That's an awesome statement. What does it mean to stand? Do you think this is the cloud of smoke that stopped moving? He came and he stood. He's there, man. I don't care how else you look at this. There's a person there. What do you look like? An angel? A man? You have long hair, short hair? I don't know all that stuff. I don't care. I'm just telling you. He's there. He's seeing him. He's there. Came and stood calling as at other times. So just like he said before. Now he says his name twice. Samuel. Samuel. By the way, God always calls by name. I love that. It's a very personal God. He didn't just say, hey, is anybody here? I need to talk. You know what I mean? Uh, And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Man, what a great way to respond to the word. Why don't you do that? Try that sometime. Open it up and say, speak for your servant hears. But you also need to be ready to recognize what it means to call yourself servant. That's a big word. Look at verse 11. The Lord said to Samuel, Now he's going to speak. He's okay. You ask for speak. I'll speak. Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it are tingle. This is going to frighten everybody. Make your hair stand up is the idea. He's talking about the judgment that's going to come on Eli's family and it's it's horrible. And and I'm not going to read all that. But I just want you to know that's the word he gets. So before you race to open your Bible, though, like I just told you to, and say speak for your servants hears as though it's magic words. And he will therefore do something special because you gave him magic words. You better realize what God spoke to Samuel here. It's not about him being blessed and happy. It's not about him knowing his future and his calling. It's not about all these bunch of things. It was for somebody else. God addressed Samuel, called Samuel, called Samuel didn't know how to hear the Lord. Samuel was taught, this is how you hear the Lord. Ask him to speak to you. Call yourself a servant. He does. God speaks and says, this is not for you. And it's harsh. And it's harsh. You want to back up and ask him to speak again? You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying. So here's the real test for Samuel. You heard... Now are you going to tell? Are you going to tell the complete truth? Or are you going to sugarcoat it or twist it? What, what, what do you do with his words? You want to hear him speak? What do you do with the words he's given you so far? He gave you 419,687 Hebrew words in the Old Testament. 419,687 Hebrew words in the Old Testament, and 138,162 Greek words in the New Testament. That's what's in your hand. You call it the Word of God. It came from Him. We've heard Him. Will you tell? I'm just saying, will you tell? The complete truth. Sin is real. The wages of sin is death. Hell is real. I'm not saying you've got to be a hellfire preacher. I'm just saying, don't leave it out. The gospel of grace is meaningless without first recognizing the desperateness of your condition. You know? Verse 15, chapter 3, verse 15. Samuel lay until morning, unable to sleep. 
Then he opened, because he's so burdened by what he's got to say. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. From the in, He's inside, so from the inside he opens the doors. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Of course he was, verse 16. But Eli called Samuel right away and said, Samuel, my son. He said, here I am. He says, what is it he told you? You know, there's excitement here. Like, did you hear from him again? What did he tell you? Don't hide it from me. Tell me everything. May God do so to, uh, to you and more also if you hide anything from me. They told, don't keep a word. I want to hear every little detail. Like, Eli's so excited. So Samuel told him everything and didn't hide a thing. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Man, that's a, such a broken response. And it's really hard to get the sense of what he means there. Is he saying God does what he wants? Or is he saying he's embracing it as right by God? Or what? We don't know. But it is a heavy, broken, sad response. Verse 19. And Samuel grew, though, and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Samuel's words were upheld by God because they were God's words to begin with. And because of that, verse 20... All Israel from Dan, that's the north, to Beersheba, that's the south. So from north to south, all Israel knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord because his words held true. They all knew that he was established by God. Verse 21, and the Lord appeared again, appeared. What does appeared mean? I see you. I didn't see you, but I now see you. So he appeared, he, he stood, he's visible, he's appeared in some way at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Again, I believe here the word of the Lord is a title for the person. That the person, the word of the Lord, is visible to him. First John, not John, but First John 1, verse 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. He appeared. And we, it keeps saying it. I love how he says it, but he's talking about a person manifest. We, we saw this word of life that was from the beginning. We saw it. How do you see a word? He's struggling to even explain it. You know, the written word makes us aware of him, and through it, he reveals himself as a person. You you understand that? And your Bible ultimately is a tool to see him. It's like putting these glasses on. The more you read it, the more time you spend in it, the more you're able to look at who God is. But seeing his word is for the purpose of being his word to the world. And I'm not even kidding. Seeing, or, you know, seeing God in his word, hearing him, is for the purpose of being his word to the world. Look at what happens as we wrap this up. First Samuel 3 verse 1 said, back up to verse 1, The boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Look at the last verse, verse 21. The Lord appeared. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. So it starts with the word was rare. It ends with the word is present. Not only that, but you turn the page, the very first verse of chapter 4, and the word of what? Samuel came to Israel. Doesn't mean Samuel became God, but it meant that Samuel's words and God's words became unified. That God, that Samuel became God's word 
to all of Israel. We want to hear him speak. Too often, though, I think for us, that's because we want proof he's there. And, and that's not faith. That's the opposite. That's actually doubt. That's the opposite. Or we want him to tell us whether to take a job or quit one. We want him to tell us whether to marry this person or date that person, uh, to buy this house or not buy this house, to to uh, do this or do. We we want direction in that sense. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. But again, what if hearing from God wasn't about getting an answer from Him, but about you giving an answer to Him? What if it was more about you answering Him? What if it was not about hearing something to answer your own desires, but about being given something that you can take to somebody else? Um, so what do we do with this? Wrap it up. What do we do with this? Well, learn to listen, but to be a servant. I'm telling you, that will change everything. You want to hear God speak? That's the first step I would say. Learn to listen, but to be a servant. Your servant hears. Your servant hears. Not, I'm listening, tell me, give, give me a flippant answer, will you please? You know, that's, that's not a servant. That's you trying to get the genie to come out of the lamp. You know, your servant hears. Learn to be a servant. Create an environment to hear him speak. I'm the worst guilty person on the planet for this one because I freak out in silence. So I have noise all the time. Molly can tell you. I have TVs on in rooms I'm not even in. You know, I don't care what's on them. I, I have radio on all the time. I have headphones in. I am in public places when I study. I, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong, but I crowd my life. I do. I crowd my life. My phone's in my hand, whatever else. You've you got to create an environment to hear him in the first place. You know, question every voice against the word of God. That would be mine as well. It's one reason why I pray like I do before I start. It's his word, not mine. Question every voice, every one you hear against his word, against his word. You know what I mean? And look, rather than spending all your time trying to get an answer about your personal issues, get busy to what you know his word already plainly says. Make disciples. Get started doing that. You don't know how to do that? Learn how. Share your faith. Spend time in his word, learning about him, and invite others to come with you on that journey. In a nutshell, that's about as simple as it gets. You know what I mean? Start doing those things, and then guess what will happen, maybe? You might find out that you get a response to your personal issue, too. Because it's okay to take those to him. You might find out you get an answer to your personal issue as well. So... Uh, let's stand up. We're going to do one more song and, uh, then we're going to dismiss, but I always want to encourage you. Listen to me, take these words as God's words because they are God's words. They're in your hand. They're God's words. But if today, maybe, you know, you've read it. Maybe you're that person I spoke about before where you've read it, you've heard it talked about and all these things, but maybe today's the day it's time for you to say for the first time, speak your servant hears. Maybe for the first time it's time for you to realize that grace is something you've got to have. Grace is something you need. It begins with a prayer, a very simple prayer. Repentance. Admit who you are. Recognize who you are. I want to hear from you. I am your servant. Speak to me. 
lead me, guide me, direct me. I trust what I'm hearing. I can't explain it all, but I have to respond. Tell him that. You don't have to tell me. Tell him that. Then come tell me because I want to pray with you and encourage you and walk with you. We all do. Lord, your word is awesome. I thank you again for it. And I thank you for the privilege of um, teaching it. And all of us have that privilege. Thank you. Lord, let us never drop that. Let us never let your word fall to the ground. Um, I pray that your word's revealed through us. I pray that we're able to hear you speak, Lord. I know sometimes we are in a broken heart, desperate state, and we just want to hear you say you're there. And I'm not saying that's wrong. And I pray, Lord, that in those times you do answer. Uh, But I'm talking more of the lazy times. Let us not get in those places. Let us be devoted to hearing you speak for the purpose of giving it to others, leading others to you, to your word, experiencing what it's like to walk with you as we do that. God, what, what an awesome privilege that is. Lord, I love you. I ask all these things for your glory. In Jesus' name.